You are listening to His Hands, His Feet podcast, and I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. As always, I am glad that you're joining me today. I'm recording this episode for a specific reason. You might already know that I've been updating my website, kennethacamp.com, and I'm about to add a new page on the website. It is simply called Start Here. And that is why I'm recording this episode, because I want to have a podcast episode that will help especially first-time visitors know what my content is about and what they can find on the site. And so I'm going to get into not just really the specific topics that I write about and that I podcast about, but I'm going to explain a little bit more about my worldview of why I write and podcast about the things that I do. So if you read or listen to any of my contents, you know, your regular maybe uh, visitor to my site and to my podcast, then you already know that my main topics include foster care and adoption, international missions, local nonprofit work. You also know that I'll blog or podcast sometimes about generosity and mentoring and even occasionally what I'm learning about writing and podcasting. But do you know why I chose to write and podcast about these topics? For me, they all have something in common. Each of these topics relate to my mission or purpose in life. Often when I introduce my podcast, I say that the purpose of the podcast is to equip, encourage, and even compel you to live a life on mission. I think I need to define what I mean by living a life on mission. Sometimes I describe it as living a life sent. In order to live a life on mission, you need two things. Well, you need to have one thing. And you need to do the other thing. You need to have that mission. And then once you know what it is, you need to move, go, take action. Let's break that down a little bit. First of all, I know that you have a mission. Now, you might wonder how I know this. Well, it's based on my worldview and belief that God created you and me, not for us to just live a life that is self-absorbed, mundane, and then one day we just leave this earth. Instead, God values you, and he values me, and he created us for a purpose. God has an overarching mission that he is on, and he has a role for you and me in that mission if we so choose to accept it. Now, that's the big challenge, I think, for a lot of us, if not most, is our willingness to accept, first of all, that God is the one that has the mission and that we have a role in it, then for us to accept that whatever that purpose is and mission is for our life. Well, I think most of us will admit that we want to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves, and we want that our, our part in that something to live on beyond our time here on earth. I think that's how most of us think. At least that's how I think. But there are a lot of things that hinder us from really accepting what that mission is that we have in this life. And I think the big one to begin with is that we don't accept very well that we're not the originator of what that mission is and that purpose. What I mean by that is we don't accept the fact that we're not in charge of that, but instead God is. Now, where I really struggle with that, and I think you do as well, is if I accomplish something in this lifetime, if I do well at whatever it is, I want credit for it. Another word for that is I want the glory. I want the praise. I want the the attention for what I, quote-unquote, have done, especially when it's something I've done well. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with us getting some praise and attention and credit for when we do things well. It's just when it stops there that it's not healthy for us. That's when we become egotistical and narcissistic and think everything's all about us, and that doesn't help us nor anyone around us. 
That's why we need to allow the praise and the attention and the credit, the glory, to go where it is due. And that's to the one who has created us and has given us a purpose in this life. When we don't do that, it can be a challenge. I want to just talk a little bit about what I think has helped me some over the years to determine what God's mission is for me. And one is just learning how to hear from God, learning how to hear His voice. Now, you're probably like me too on this, is that I I would love it if God would just put a billboard in the sky or He'd get a a mega horn and make it real clear or if we'd have a, a phone line of some sort where I could just pick up the phone and talk to him and he'd tell me, okay, this is what I want you to do next. But as we all know, that's not how he operates. He is a gentle and a patient God who allows us to have that freedom to decide if we are going to listen to him. I think there's a couple of things that helps us. One is if we pursue him. Have you ever pursued someone or had someone pursue you? If you're married, hopefully that happened. You pursued one another. What did that look like? What did you do to pursue that relationship? I bet you did all kinds of things so that you could spend time together. You wanted to be around each other so that you could know each other and know how the other person thought and what made them do the things that they do. Well, that is a big part of being able to hear from God is that we would pursue him. And a part of that is what we call abiding, that we would stay there with him. We would remain there with him. That's been my struggle a lot over the years, that I'll say, okay, I think I know what God's wanting me to do, and then I'll run off and be all about doing it. Then I get way down the road, and it's like I haven't stayed in touch with him. And you think about it, if he's the the owner and the giver of the purpose of our life and the mission that we have, it'd it'd make a lot of sense if I would just continue to interact with him and stay close to him and keep checking in with him and get to know him even better so that I can hear and understand his voice even better. Well, pursuing and abiding are two big parts of that. Another thing is that we have a very limited view on life. We really just see this moment that we're in. And in the context of eternity, you think about from the beginning of time and, and until however long the future is, our time here on earth is brief can be like a flower that's here one day it blooms and then it fades the next day and that's how brief our life can and i think we all can attest to how fast life goes by you know my wife and i just celebrated 30 years of marriage 30 years in my mind it seems like we just met a couple years ago and you know also we adopted our son over six years ago and that just seems like a few months ago that he was placed in our home by cps Life just goes by fast. It helps if we will take what I call a kingdom mentality, that we realize that we are just here for this very short window of time. As I've said, God has been at work from the beginning of time on his mission. He's working on it now while we're here, and then he will continue to work on it until the day that he determines that it it is complete. And so it will help a lot if we're able to take that kind of mentality, take our eyes off of the brevity of this life and realize that we are a part of that kingdom mentality, that kingdom eternity. How about we dig a little deeper into how we figure out what our mission is? I mean, I threw out some some general things about hearing from God and pursuing him and spending time with him, abiding with him and those kind of things, taking that kingdom mentality. But What are some very practical things that would help us do that? So how about we jump into that a little bit? I have a few ideas, if you didn't notice. First of all, ask yourself this question. What do you enjoy doing? Especially if it's something that you're good at doing. 
think we can fall into a trap of thinking that the mission that God has for us, that purpose, will only involve great sacrifice and it will be something that we dread doing. However, when we find something that we enjoy and have a passion for it, we don't notice that it is difficult. Or at least if we notice that it's difficult, we don't mind that it's, it's difficult because we're passionate about it and we enjoy doing it and we're good at it. Along those lines, ask yourself what you're good at doing, and odds are you're good at something that you also enjoy. I wouldn't take that lightly. You might think that everyone else or a lot of people are good at what you're good at, and the reality is there's probably not as many as you think. Now, let me say that again. The things that you're good at and that you enjoy doing, there's not as many people as you think out there that are good at it also. In fact, what you think is very easy and comes naturally to you other people will find amazing that you're able to do it. So think about what you enjoy doing and what you're good at and talk to God about it. Ask him if this has anything to do with his mission for your life, and I'm betting that it does. Now let's talk about something that is counterintuitive. Think about your failures and even tragedies in your life. I know I don't like to think about them either because I have a lot of failures that I'm not proud of, but I want us to think about them. You don't have to tell me them. But think about them. And here's a truth that might be hard for you to accept. The failures and or tragedies in your life by no means disqualify you from living a life on mission. In fact, they probably uniquely qualify you. See, God takes our brokenness and he uses it to accomplish his mission. If we allow our failures and our tragedies in our life to disqualify us, Well, let me put it this way. Think about what life and what this world would be like if these people would have allowed that to happen in their lives. Benjamin Franklin dropped out of school at the age of 10. Thomas Edison failed 1,000 times before inventing the light bulb. Oprah Winfrey was abused as a child, ran away from home, and had a child at age 14 who then died. Vincent van Gogh sold only one painting during his lifetime. Franklin Roosevelt became partially paralyzed at age 39. A newspaper editor fired Walt Disney because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. One more, Albert Einstein didn't talk until age four, and he didn't read until age seven. So are you willing to allow God to redeem your brokenness for his purpose? Again, in order for us to do this, we have to take our eyes off of ourselves. We all think about ourselves more than anyone else does. I mentioned earlier, our current culture might be the worst ever in the history of time. We self-promote seeking attention, hoping the world will notice us. But if we want to know what God's mission is for us, we need to reverse that focus. And that goes back to the whole glory thing that we were talking about. Irony is, is that whether we think that we hung the moon or we think we're not worth very much because of our shortcomings, we're focusing on ourselves. How about we talk about some practical ways to help us to get our eyes off ourselves? You ready? First, try serving other people. Here's some things that will happen when you do. One is that you'll gain a proper perspective on life. You will notice and see that, first of all, there's other people out there that are just as important as you are. And you also find out that there are other people out there that have had some challenges even worse than yours. We also experience God instead of only having an intellectual understanding. It's so easy to just study about God and to gain some intellectual knowledge about him. And we think that we know him. But when we get outside of ourselves and we begin to serve other people, 
then what we do is we start seeing how God is working in their lives. And then we can are able to put into practice the things that we have read or that we've been taught. We also find out what our spiritual gifts are in a more accurate way than taking just some spiritual gift test. And if you don't know what I mean by spiritual gifts, then I encourage you to look in the Bible in a book called 1 Corinthians and read chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, and that'll be a great place to start. You know, serving also awakens a passion within you. If you're like me, you begin dreaming about how you can reorganize your life around this newfound passion. And if it really is part of your mission, then the passion that you find will outlive any kind of emotional high. I think there's one more thing that serving helps us do, and that's to find out what our mission is not. That's just as important as finding out what your mission is. We are not, and in fact, there's no way we can pursue everything. And trying to do everything that you see that needs to be done around you simply will distract you from discovering what your own mission is. You want a simple way to get your eyes off yourself? It's so simple and practical that it's obvious. But simply pay attention to other people. Here's the thing. God's mission will always involve people. And as you work on discovering his mission for you, don't lose sight of the people who are already around you. Many times your mission will involve the people currently in your life. Some are obvious, like your family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, acquaintances. Some may not be as obvious. It could be those that are service providers or the homeless person you drive by each morning on the way to work. How about the foster kids that live three houses down on your street or the widow who sits on her front porch each evening all alone? With the busyness of our lives, it is so easy to lose sight of the people that are around us. Often we lose ourselves in our work. You may be someone who builds buildings or design bridges, or maybe you farm a plot of land, or if you're in my line of work where you write. You know, I can become consumed in the words and forget that without an audience, my writing is totally in vain. You might be convinced that you're doing what God designed you to do, but if you forget that His mission involves people, then I guarantee you're not embracing God's ultimate plan. So have you considered how God wants your mission to impact people for his kingdom? Well, here's a few things to keep in mind. One is stay focused. Here are a few things that help to stay focused on the mission before you. And as I'm reading through this, I'm thinking, all right, camp, you need to do these in your own life. One is remove clutter. This might involve overindulgence in mindless entertainment, such as TV, video games, or hobbies. When we don't know what our purpose is in life, then we tend to gravitate toward entertainment to distract us from the mundaneness of life. Ouch, that's a little painful. In fact, I'm going to read that again. When we don't know what our purpose is in life, we can often look to entertainment to distract us from the mundaneness of our lives. And then real quick, a couple of other things that make it difficult to stay focused. One is just not getting enough sleep. When we are trying to get too much done in the day or we're just physically and mentally tired, it's hard to stay focused on what our purpose is. And the other one is just simply being overcommitted. Both husband and wife working full-time, kids involved in multiple activities. They have commitments at church, school, community. And even if we know what God's mission is for us, we simply often don't have time for it. Okay, so we've talked about a few practical ideas on how to figure out your mission in life. We talked about really thinking about what you enjoy doing and that you're good at doing. Then we talked about something that was counterintuitive, and that is thinking about your failures and your tragedies in life. And we talked about learning how to take your eyes off of yourself 
and a reminder to stay focused on what your mission is as you figure it out. Here's another one that I think will help, and that is be different. Most of us are trend followers, not trend setters, and I'm definitely a trend follower. In fact, when I was in high school, this is a perfect example of this. I wanted to wear the same kind of clothes that all these other guys did that I wanted to be like. And the hairstyle when I was in high school, and this is going to date me, but this was in the 1970s. And the hairstyle for guys, in fact, the girls too, was to have kind of the straight looking hair that had just a little bit of a wave to it. And you would part your hair right down the middle of your head. And so you would have hair going you know, on both sides and it would be like a wing coming off your forehead and it would wing this way to the left and a wing that way to the right you know that was just the style that was the what the cool popular in crowd wore their hair well of course not everybody could do that and i was definitely one that could not i had very thick curly hair back when i had hair and there was no way there's no way that my hair would ever do that but i wanted to i wanted to fit in but the more i pursued god's mission here's the irony of pursuing his mission Let me repeat this. The more that I pursue God's mission in my life, I find that I fit in less and less with the popular culture. You have to be okay with being different. If you live out God's mission for your life, odds are you will be different too. Some will even call you radical. So anyone who's willing to embrace their mission immediately separates themselves from the masses. God didn't create you to look, act, and be like everyone else. And he has given you and me specific gifts and talents for a reason. Let's talk about another idea. As you begin to figure out what your mission is, write it down. Right now, what are the thoughts bouncing around in your head about your mission in life? Are they any clearer now before we began this podcast, or are they still just as fuzzy as they were before? Either way, write the thoughts that you have down. Take some time and do that. If you're driving right now or doing something where you can't do that, make a note to yourself that you will do that soon. Don't be afraid to write down even the craziest thoughts that you have. Something powerful happens when you commit the thoughts and ideas that are in your head to paper. After I resigned from being a missions pastor at a church back in 2011, I had no idea what I wanted to do next. One reason is I thought we were headed back to Thailand, which was why I resigned. But God, as many of you know, changed that plan. Since we were going to be staying in the United States, I really needed his guidance. And so I applied a lot of the steps that I've already shared with you. And as I heard what I thought God was saying to me, I began writing those thoughts down. In fact, what I did was I wrote them down on big post-it note paper on the wall because they were all over the map. And some of these ideas and thoughts even conflicted with one another. But I wrote them down anyways. And one of the things I wrote down was to be a writer. I had never been a writer before. Then I did something else that I want you to do. I shared what I wrote down with a few trusted friends. And here are a few things that my friends did. My friends confirmed that I could be a writer. Some pointed me to timely resources that accelerated my learning curve because I definitely had a lot to learn about writing and blogging. Other friends encouraged me. And here's a big one. They held me accountable. When I wrote down the ideas and shared them with some friends, two things happened. One, I received clarity. Getting the thoughts out of my head to where I could read them and ponder them and pray over them And after a while, share them with others and gave me clarity. And then the other thing, it gave them life. Writing down and sharing with others gave life to the idea of me becoming a writer. There's something about seeing and especially hearing your words that holds life-giving power. So please hear this. Don't wait until it all makes sense to write down your ideas. 
Start now, even if the ideas seem crazy or conflict with each other. There's one last thing that I'm going to encourage you to do, and that is embrace your mission. Playing on a team or watching a team where all the team members buy into the overall mission is a beautiful thing. The game feels or looks almost effortless. On the other hand, when some team members don't embrace the mission, well, it's not such a good thing. It won't do you any good to discover your mission if you don't decide to embrace it. In fact, I don't really think it's a mission until you feel called to it. If we won't embrace our mission, then we'll do everything we can to avoid it. We will procrastinate. We might hope that something else better will come along. A lot of us will want to know how things turn out before we ever commit to it. And for some reason, some of us think that God's mission for us will involve selling all of our possessions, leaving our friends and family, and moving to a remote village in Africa to live in a mud hut. Maybe, but not likely. Instead, why not embrace what your mission has in store for you? Go all in. Trust that God's destiny for you is far better than anything you can imagine to pursue on your own. Now you have a better idea of my worldview and how that impacts my mission in life. You know that I'm an adoptive father of a son that spent over a year in foster care. I am a missionary who lived in Thailand for six months serving different mission projects and then spent about three years serving as a missions pastor. I have served and serve on nonprofit boards of ministries that serve families in need and families who foster or adopt children. These are all part of my mission, and if your mission falls in any of these categories, I know my content will interest you. I want to help you take the next step. I want to Equip and encourage and compel you to live your life on mission and to do it well. And if that resonates with you, then let's connect. Let's connect in a way where we can stay in touch. All you need to do is subscribe to my email list so I can interact with you on a regular basis. And as I get to know you, I will begin to send you only content that you want. And in fact, you can tell me right up front what kind of content interests you. And I'll also be available to help you on your journey pursuing your mission, if you so choose. If those topics don't interest you, that's okay. And if you don't think we can benefit from interacting, that's okay too. But would you do me a favor? Think about someone you know who would be interested in the content and the information that I provide and forward them this podcast or my website information. I would greatly appreciate that. So... Thank you again for joining me here at His Hands, His Feet podcast. And I look forward to joining you soon. Until next time.